Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He's been here. been there. Magic down the middle, just what I thought. A hook shot at 12. Good! He's been everywhere. Shot from there and a save and a rebound. Score! Yes! Kings win the cup! Sobel. That's one small step for man. Ted Sobel. One giant leap for man. The man, the myth, the legend. What the hell's going on out here? Now, it's time for Ted Sobel. Well, thanks very much, Vince Scully, and welcome back to another edition of my Touching Greatness podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. This is the podcast where you just don't have talking heads trying to give expertise on whatever subject because I go to the subject and to the greats of any sport and get you the information directly from the horse's mouth, if you'll pardon the expression now, because this week we deal with the controversial disqualification of the original Kentucky Derby winner, Maximum Security, who was disqualified after almost causing a major accident at the top of the lane when he drifted out in front of a pack of horses just behind him, giving runner-up Country House a victory that will be talked about Forever. I'll be speaking with Hall of Fame jockey Ronnie Turcott, most well known for winning the Triple Crown aboard Secretariat 46 years ago, but has spent more than half of his life in a wheelchair after a bad racing accident that what he called similar to what could have happened in this past Saturday's Derby. Also calling in from his vacation in Canada will be former Santa Anita track announcer Michael Rona, who watched that race like a hawk and has strong opinions about the outcome of the Derby. And finally, you'll hear from Kurt Hoover now in his fourth year as a TVG racing analyst after many years on HRTV and Santa Anita's own network. My aim is to get to the bottom of this controversy, which after watching the many angles of replay, I personally thought it was an easy call to make to disqualify maximum security. The danger factor just too strong to not penalize that horse, despite his jockey's great effort to keep him from running so recklessly. So let's hear from the great jockey Ron Turcott, who was at his home in Canada when he watched a race that he knows so well as he won the Kentucky Derby twice aboard Reva Ridge and Stablemate Secretariat. And there are a few on this planted who can relate to his take after going down in the spill on a track just five years after winning the triple crown our guest is ron turcott hall of fame jockey of course we know him best from secretariat reva ridge going way back into the 70s and also at churchill downs where he had such fantastic rides and ron first of all thanks for joining us much appreciated and i'm sure you caught yesterday's run for the roses yeah, thank you for asking me. Uh, the run for the roses was a terrible uh, blow, you know, to uh, the connection of uh, maximum security. Yeah. Um, and very sad. He, uh, Jackie, done everything he could. You know, when you turn into the stretch, there's like running through a, a wall of. Uh, or uh, a tunnel of uh, noise and, you know, people screaming and hollering and the other horses like that can uh, at times uh, shy away. And um, so the uh, horse did bother two horses, uh, the one horse and the one next to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had to take him down for that. I don't think the winner got bothered. One of the places the winner got bothered, but um, they had to take him down and put him behind the horses he bought. But those two horses pretty well eliminated. They had uh, a couple of really good close-ups on the replays, and it looked like uh, some legs clipped a little bit, and it started to get a little dangerous. How did you see that? Uh, same way. Yep. Yes, it was. Uh, it, it was quite dangerous. That's how I, you know, I wanted to paralyze. You know, like somebody pushing me out and uh, onto another horse's heel and clip the heels and I went down. And uh, that could have very well happened yesterday. Uh, it was a close call, so um, I guess the horse had to be disqualified. Uh, I feel real bad for them, but. Uh, you know, for the connection, maximum security. And say, as you know, like you didn't expect this horse to duck out like that. Sure. What do you say to people who 
are thinking, well, it's fixed now and they should have never taken him down and blah, 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 because of the fact that he was much the best anyway and probably would have won. Well, they didn't do that. The stewards didn't have no choice. They had to do something, you know, the, uh, because uh, if they left him up there, uh, then it was, uh, you know, set a bad example, you know, for riders to ride, right. to ride rough in the, uh, not that they rode rough there, but that they could do anything in the derby that would be taken down. So, uh, no, the horse had to be taken down, I guess. Just the fact that it was the Derby is a little stunning, though. It obviously has to be a pretty bad foul to do that. But, uh, again, if it comes down to danger, uh, it's pretty much just a given. you got to DQ the horse. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's a dangerous uh, game to start with. And uh, uh job, you know, to ride horses, and that kind of, especially that kind of track. And yep. you got well the best off it, you know, like being the lead all, all the time. He's had good fraction to run a big race. And, uh, but those stewards had just no choice. Ron, we've talked about it in the past. They had the 23 deaths of horses out at Santa Anita. Gary Stevens and I talked about how sometimes if the track conditions are not good, and they obviously were not yesterday at Kentucky Derby, would this have been one of those times you say, you know what, uh, there's a lot of money in TV and this is what it's all about, but uh, it's not safe to race. What do you say about that? Well, I wouldn't say it's not safe to race. I mean, uh, you know, we had no control over the weather. The all, all the peoples were there. Uh, paid big money to go see the Derby. uh and take part of the celebration in the infield and outside in the grandstand. And, uh, well, they didn't very well uh, cancel the races. Yeah. And the rain came down. The track had been fast most, most of the day. And uh, there was chances that it would blow over and they wouldn't get the rain. But that that happens. I mean, anytime you went out to the racetrack, you never knew, uh, especially in the uh, in Florida, you can leave the house and yeah. the weather's beautiful and get to the racetrack and it's uh, down four. So uh, it's uh, pretty good weather. Yeah, exactly. Can you describe the difference between racing luck and a foul in this case? Well, I think this horse just spooked there. Uh, you know, from uh, this horse has been training in the quiet uh, surrounding uh, uh-huh. the Florida the training center and then he comes into uh, into Kentucky with a big crowd and so uh, you know it, it can happen anytime it's something that uh, uh, you can't predict before and with an off track like that, it's always better to be near the lead, right? So uh, obviously maximum security was out by the lead the entire race. How does that come into play for the other horses that are trying to either get through or that kind of a thing? Because they're getting mud thrown in their face. And you know what that was like when you had Reva Ridge in, uh, in your tough field on a bad track. Well, certain horses, it wasn't matter at all. You know, like Secretary, you could run on broken bottles, I mean, <laughs> but he was in just your average kind of horse. Uh, but uh, most horses can handle the mud. There's the odd one uh, that cannot handle the mud. Uh, in the case, like, Secretary, he never, I mean, Reaver Ridge, he could yeah. never handle mud or uh, grass races. Interesting. Uh, but it's uh, the way they're built and the feet and stuff like that. There's certain things in horses. Some horses are afraid to uh, to run on when it's they're uncertain of the footing and that. So um, it's hard to tell until they're tried. Did you see uh, the track conditions affecting the race yesterday at all? Um, not really. Most horses seem to handle it all right. I think the best horse won. It's a shame. You know, I feel real bad for the jockey and the, the uh, connection. And you're saying the best horse won, meaning the maximum security won, but was taken down. Yes. Right. But he was the best horse. 
Absolutely. Absolutely the best. Yeah, the other horse wasn't going to catch him anyway. Yeah. Even if they went around one more time. Yep. It's not. But it's just that he did bother two other horses in the race. And it uh, could a very bad spill. Um, but uh, everybody came out off it without the, you know, the disqualification, you all come out all right. Yeah. My only issue with the whole thing yesterday, Ron, was that the stewards just came out and read a statement, but they didn't take uh, questions, and I think that's a big disappointment. This sport needs more transparency. I missed that part. Oh, so you um, did? Did you not see the statement? No. Yeah, they ended up doing it afterwards. You can get it online. They issued a statement and they read it, and then they left, <laughs> and they didn't take any in questions. Short, in short, what did they say? Uh, they basically explained it just as you and I had described it, you know, the reasons why they, they took the horse down. And, uh, but, you know, that's the kind of thing to me, especially now with the cloud over the game with what's going on at Santa Anita. People want to have answers, and, and they should just be stand-up people and take the questions. But they, they talked about pretty much what you and I just said. Well, there's not that much. I mean, racing has been going on, you know, for Hundred years and been going on in Europe all over. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, there's horses. Whether they're working, they're galloping. Uh, you know, pressure horses or whatnot. Uh, things will happen, and I think these, these horses are very well taken care of, and they're very happy running lively. And I know most of the horses I rode, they, they seem to like running. I think it's a beautiful game, and uh, I think there the was really unfair treatment. I really don't know uh, what caused the horses' uh, death in California, but I, uh, I'm strictly against drugs, drugs of any kind yep. on horses, especially Asics, same day medication. It's, to me, it's a camouflage of other drugs, and I think. Uh, when I was riding, we didn't have that problem because the NYR radio did refuse to uh, let horses uh, ride on drug, whatever it was, like sex or mutilus, mutilus, all of them are in kind of drug. They didn't, they had to run drug free. And But nowadays, uh, I guess the drug people are making drugs faster than they can uh, yeah. detect them. So, you know, it's uh, it should be eliminated completely. Yeah, I totally agree. But uh, because of that and that little cloud, or maybe big cloud, I should say, over the game itself, isn't that the time for stewards to come out and say, hey, I'll answer any of your questions right now. We don't want any doubts about wh why we're making decisions here. It's, it would be hard for me to uh, comment on, the, uh, on that because I didn't see it. I didn't hear what, what, they, uh, what they said about the race or uh, you know, right. I, I really don't know. No, I understand, but wouldn't you want just the stewards? Wouldn't you want the stewards, though, just to answer any questions, whatever the circumstances are? Yes, it depends on questions. Depend on questions that uh, people are asking. You know yourself. You have news uh, uh, coming out sometime. You know, especially in the political uh, arena, where. Uh, they come out and they ask stupid questions, <laughs> and uh, I'm I not saying that all all people, all newspaper, uh, and even are stupid. I'm not. No, no, I understand. Of course. What I'm saying is that uh, you get. Uh, I knew I wrote, and I had to answer a lot of questions, and that some questions don't worth worth answering because it don't make sense at all. No, I understand. And um, so I I don't know what kind of answer they were asking, and whether it made sense or not. And, you know, I'm all for racing, and I'm all for horses running. Uh, they're bred to run, and they love running, and uh, they're the uh, best-cared horses in the world. Uh, you have a few bad apples, and that, that'll rub the barrel. Yep. But uh, overall, they're, they're pretty good people, and they all love their horses, and they... Uh, like I said, there's only a few bad apples, and that's that ruins uh, that can ruin a lot of good people. Sure. 
Last thing, Ron, is the Kentucky Derby from yesterday, is that a positive or a negative, or it's just a circumstance to you? Well, I think the steward done the right thing. Um, you know, you don't want to encourage people to ride, ride rough. It's a, it's a big field. Twenty horses are oh, a yes. big field. And, and they navigated it uh, through the the mile and a quarter very good. I mean, look at all the... Uh, since uh, 1964, uh, 74, I think they've been running a big field like that. Uh-huh. The field I rode in, I think you were about 13 horses. I mean, I won two of them. And they, uh, I came from last and was secretariat, and I tread my between horses uh, very well. And that's yeah. the outside when I had a chance, so I didn't have a chance, a clear run at the, at the wire. And, um, I don't know apparently what the answer on that. I mean, it's just, uh, I think those are all professional, uh, the guys on the horses, and uh, they know what they're doing. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful game. I, thought, I hope it flourishes. And now on, I know that there's been some uh, bad uh, discussion. They, uh, yep. They, uh, Pito and... Uh, Greenpeace and all that are kind of ruining our country. Yeah, we got to deal with that. No, no doubt, that's a separate issue. But uh, you know, the one thing is that it's amazing that it's 145 derbies, and it's the first time a horse won that was taken off the board. That's that's really incredible when you think of all the chances, all the possibilities, right? Well, there's uh, other races that horses should have come down. I mean, in the, oh, yeah, but I mean, there's there's some that should have been taken down. And um, and two riders came down the lane there, uh, Irby Fisher and uh, Mead. They're grabbing each other and stuff like that, you know. And, um, the, uh, there was a maiden winner that Don Mead was riding. I mean, uh, a maiden horse that, uh, that, as a matter of fact, was the only race he ever won. Really? He left him up. He's he the one that grabbed the other horse. Huh. You know, right Santa Claus, the other rider, the other rider was trying to get him, you know, whip his uh, hand loose, and um, they didn't take him down, and that you should have t- taken him down. Hmm. And there's another race. The bowler was riding a horse, and the winner came out and pumped him, and they never done anything. So there's other races where it should, uh, the derby winner should have come down. Yeah, absolutely. I guess yeah, it's the disqualified one before that, Spencer's uh, image, and that was uh, because they found some good relevant. Right. And blood, so they said. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't really think that horse should have come down at the time. Because, really? Uh, no, because uh, I believe the very next year or the year after, they had beauty relevant now. He could run on, and uh, whether he did or not, I don't know because I knew the trainer. I used to ride for that trainer, and uh, I didn't never knew him to use drugs. And, uh, I don't believe that uh, the owner used drugs before, so wow. that was never proven that uh, they brought to court, but uh, he lost. Yeah, that's bad timing there. With when Butte end up being legal after that, right? Yeah, well, you know, big people wanted up winning the race. And in this case, County Red Farm, they said, oh, well, I take this down to give it to, uh, to uh, County Red Horse. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, so, de- that's debatable in itself. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things in being debated. Sure, of course. Well, Ron, I really appreciate the time. And you are really, among every jockey who's ever ridden in this sport, you're about as good as anyone to talk to about this because of the accident that you had and, and the danger of it. And uh, and I really appreciate the time. The people need to know the truth. Oh, definitely. Yes. Well, thanks, Ron. All the best to you, and we'll talk thank down you, the road. And, and again, thank you very much for endorsing my book. I can't wait to uh, send you a copy. You're welcome.
All right, Ron. Thank you very much. From the great Ron Turcott to the outstanding track announcer, Michael Rona, who usually watches the races with his binoculars from his booth high atop whatever track he's calling the races at. This time, he saw the Derby on TV and was kind enough to join us here on Touching Greatness. It is a pleasure to speak with Michael Rona again. Of course, uh, former voice at Santa Anita and Hollywood Park. Everybody in racing knows him in Southern California, and he's wandering the hinterlands right now. Uh, Michael, first of all, tell everybody, where are you? This is uh, great news. Good day, Ted. Uh, great to chat with you. I'm actually in Alberta, Canada, and uh, the reason for that is a new racetrack that opened two weekends ago just south of Edmonton, called Century Mile, replacing the old Northlands Park. They had me up for the launch of the track. I called the opening day, and I'm calling two subsequent weekends before I head back to the U.S. It's, it's only weekend racing at Century Mile, so that allows plenty of exploration time, to which end I'm talking to you from Jasper. Later today, I'll be driving into Banff. I've never been to these parks before, Everybody raves to me about the beauty of Lake Louise and the Banff National Park. So I'm very excited to be actually on a glacier for the first time in my life in just a couple of hours from now on a skywalk. So it's uh, it's really been a very exciting and enjoyable couple of weeks up here in Canada. And uh, as I told you before, I am totally envious, and I'm not happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Sorry, as I, as I sit on my couch in Southern California on a fairly gloomy day, I am slightly depressed, but not as depressed as the people and the connections around maximum security. And I want to talk about the Kentucky Derby for a couple of minutes. What were your thoughts originally when you saw the race? Um, well, watching it live, I actually did not appreciate the degree of interference that had taken place. But as soon as they started showing replays from different angles, it was apparent to me that, that a foul had been committed, uh, that several horses had suffered interference as a result. So the result, the uh, disqualification by the stewards, did not come as a surprise to me. And while there's no question that maximum security was the best horse on the day, uh, that, that really is secondary behind the letter of the law. You know, people like to complain about rules and laws and it extends to politics for sure but uh if, if you don't like the the law or the system then you have to campaign to change it but i think the stewards per the rules of racing did the right thing so it sounds like with your trained eye that even you when you saw the race live you didn't see what happened because of the angle and then when we saw the slow-mo, it really showed us the truth. Yes, and I, I might add that War of Will was carrying some of my hard-earned. <laughs> across the board on War of Will. Okay. And uh, I was excited by the, the race that he was running. He, he, the irony is that he was in that pocket for so long, over-racing, going too keenly, yep. and it took forever to get him out of that pocket. And the moment it happened... Of course, the rail opened. If he had stayed where he was, he, uh, he would have come through as the show horse ultimately did. Um, but having pulled so much during a mile and a quarter race, there's no way of knowing what he would have had left for the final furlong. He might have ran out of tough regardless, but we, we will never know. But the fact is that the rule doesn't state you have to cost a horse a better placing. What it says is cost the chance of a better placing. So, you know, there are several horses that were impacted. And again, I, I think it was the right call. I think I made the right call when I called Ron Turcott on Sunday to ask him the same questions that I'm asking you because Ron was injured in a similar kind of occurrence in a race that has kept him in a wheelchair the rest of his life, and people just don't understand if they don't, I don't get it after seeing the, the slow-mo and some of the stills of the danger of that kind of a thing. You saw the legs clip on the two horses there, and it could have been a domino effect that we would never forget. Yes, it's, it's scary to think what the worst-case scenario could have been. Um, and, you know, there's all this talk at the moment about comparing the American rules to 
the rules in other countries, and it's very different in my homeland of Australia. Uh, but but again, uh, the law is the law, and that's the steward's job is to follow the law. Um, I I personally I don't mind the American rules tracing right back to a very early traumatic uh, Melbourne Cup for me back in 1982, my favourite horse of all time, Kingston Town, uh, lost the race in the last couple of strides. Uh, the horse that beat him came up on the inside and grabbed him with the last stride or two. But about the furlong pole, this other horse, Gurner's Lane, had almost put another runner over the fence. And under U.S. law, would have been disqualified for that infraction. But because it had nothing to do with whether Kingston Town could have beaten Gurner's Lane, uh, the, the placing stood. There wasn't even an inquiry. The jockey got suspended. But uh, there was never a chance that the, the placings would be altered. I, uh, I was in mourning for months, Ted, after that, because Kingston Town deserved the Melbourne Cup win. He'd, uh, yeah. he'd won three straight Cox plates, which stood as a record until Winks broke it last October. And uh, the Melbourne Cup's a handicap over two miles. He had the high weight. The jockey went too early. He did everything but win the race. And he deserved to have a, a Melbourne Cup win on his resume. So just from a, a very personal standpoint, uh, it would have suited me fine if the, if the American rules were in play. <laughs> Do you think there's more controversy now with this derby because of the fact that the stewards did not have an inquiry. It was a jockey objection. And even the stewards and your racing expertise did not see what happened at the top of the lane. Well, I think everything's under a microscope uh, for all of the reasons we're aware of with the the problems of the last few months in the industry. And uh, it's amazing that that this developed uh, this year of all years. Yeah. But, uh, again, that's what the camera angles are for, and that's, um, and that's why there are several stewards employed. So uh, it came to light, and uh, it's fortunate that it did. My biggest disappointment was that the stewards didn't come out and take questions, because I think that would have given the transparency that the game needs. What do you think? Oh, 100% agree. I've long bemoaned the lack of transparency in U.S. racing. If you compare it to Australia or Hong Kong, uh, it's, it's really disappointing. And it, it is a pity that there wasn't a more uh, official public explanation made of the situation. It's, it's sorely lacking in, in U.S. horse racing. It has been ever since I've been in the country, which is almost 30 years now. Yeah, and specifically, this really should have been the most transparent of all. The whole world was watching. It's like, just come out and answer a few questions, and you and I wouldn't have to be talking right now and educating. Yes, exactly. And inquiry deliberations and um, jockey interviews with the stewards, all of that sort of thing is is broadcast in other countries. Um, You don't have to go to that extent, but as far as I'm concerned, the more transparency, the better. It would, it would absolutely serve our great sport well. Maximum Security and uh, Country House, the eventual winner of the Derby, will both not be racing in the Preakness. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it certainly would have been interesting to see a, a little duel there, huh? Yes, I think we have to hope that they do knock heads again somewhere down the line. <laughs> you have such a way with words. I love around it. That. <laughs> That's great. Well, I think the Belmont would be a possibility, though, don't you? The country house, I would think so. I, I just, I doubt it somehow for maximum security, but uh, I, I don't know what's in their head and I don't know what they're thinking. So bottom line is this was actually a pretty easy decision when we saw what happened. And the people that are still complaining, I just don't get it. No, again, um, feel free to lobby and campaign to change the rules, change it to the system of another country, if you like. But as the rules are written, um, I've got to give it the thumbs up. That doesn't mean that I don't feel dreadful for the connections of maximum security. But again, um, rules are rules, laws are laws. I've got to ask you, when you fly into Los Angeles over Inglewood, 
What do you think when you look down and you see that brand new, beautiful stadium being built where we once had the storied Hollywood Park? It's not a place I'll ever be visiting, Ted. It's hallowed ground, and uh, it's it's off limits for me. I uh, it saddens me deeply. Uh, same thing with uh, with of course Bay Meadows up in the Bay Area. Yep. And uh, and and that leads me back to this new track that I've been involved with up in Edmonton for the last couple of weeks. It's just nice to at least be involved now and again in the launch of a new venture because we have so many tracks that have closed, Portland Meadows being another one that comes to mind from quite recently in Oregon. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I get back to the U.S., uh, I'm heading out to Arizona, where there's a new track opening, um, replacing the old Yavapai and Prescott Downs. It's been rebranded as Arizona Downs, and so that's going to be another new neck of the woods for me to enjoy. They say it's very pretty, about 5,000 foot elevation. Too Excellent. hot to race over the summer in Phoenix at Perth Paradise. So, right. Um, it, it's quite uh, quite a popular destination, actually, across the summer in that area that contains Flagstaff and Sedona. Uh, so so that's going to be me over the uh, over the next few months. Michael, and again, it's nice to just be involved in a new track and something that's actually getting off the ground, and hopefully we'll head in the right direction. It deserves everybody's support, that's for sure. I love it. Any expansion for horse racing is great. Uh, I was going to tell you that uh, I was going to get you season tickets to the Rams games. I guess I could save my money on that, right? Pass. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're into that other football, I know, anyway. <laughs> Well, yes, yeah, speaking of that, the uh, Champions League action was absolutely incredible yesterday. Liverpool overcoming a three-goal deficit to, to beat Barcelona and uh, and dump them out of the competition. I, uh, I've, I've rarely seen anything like it in, uh, in sport. It was absolutely phenomenal, that comeback. I am so glad you brought that up because uh, it's never come up in any of my podcasts. <laughs> and and you know that I love the Beatles from Liverpool, so, I mean, uh, we do have something in common there. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually not my team. No, I know. It was a good result for me uh, in the actual head-to-head situation against Barcelona. But uh, uh, it, uh, it, it was just staggering, that, that Barcelona collapse. So, um, yes, that... Uh, that was the talk of the bars around Jasper yesterday afternoon. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Michael, enjoy your travels. Again, I am so jealous. You have no idea. Please give my best to Lake Louise because it's a top five spot on the planet that I've ever visited. Well, you've, you've really wet the appetite. I'm, uh, I'm full of anticipation for this afternoon. Really nice to catch up with you, Ted. Same here, man. And uh, send me a picture of Lake Louise when you get there. I'll be happy to. All the best, my friend. Safe travels, and we'll talk soon. Okay. It was fun. My pleasure. And finally, TVG's Kurt Hoover, who racing fans around the country will know quite well from his many years of analyzing horse races specifically at Southern California tracks. And he, too, is someone I really wanted to speak with because he definitely calls them as he sees them. Kurt, first of all, thanks very much for joining us here on Touching Greatness, the podcast. We are talking all sports all the time, but this week it's about the Derby. I already had Ronnie Turcott on and also Michael Rona, the former track voice of Santa Anita and Hollywood Park. So I want to get your expertise and your analysis of this because you see these races every day. You know what the rules are first. What was going through your mind as you watched the race and it ended before there was an actual writer's objection? You know, I was just thinking how impressed I was by the way Maximus Security fought back in the wall race. And I was at San Diego watching on the television monitors. I, I knew there was something and some horses scrambling around about the quarter pole, but that happens in a lot of derbies. And I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. Ted. And then when they, it took a while, and then the in-car selling up, and then they started showing replays, and then the longer it took, I said, man, this horse might come down. Uh, the times I watched the replay, initially, I thought no change. Uh, after watching it more and reconsidering and watching the race a lot of times, especially on Monday when I was off work, they made the right decision. Uh, by the 
following the rules of racing, they made the right decision. Well, it's interesting the way you said that because I, you make me feel better, by the way, because I, I totally agreed with you that when I saw the first replay, even several angles, I didn't see enough to take him down. But when they showed one angle and then we all saw that still of uh, the horse's legs like almost intertwined, that's the most dangerous thing of all time, and that can't be accepted. Yeah, we were very fortunate, Ted. When I say we uh, in the horse racing business, which I've spent my entire adult life in, and we've had issues and problems in the last year or so, we were extremely fortunate that War of Will did not go down uh, yeah. because he very easily could have. That's a testament to the horse's athleticism and the jockey's skill that nothing happened because if he goes down, there's a massive pile behind him, and we're all in trouble. So that was the good thing that came out of it. No horse was hurt. No rider was hurt. The tough part, and I've owned horses myself being in this business, the best horse won. Maximum security was the best horse in a race. Anyone who knows how to watch a horse race will tell you that. He was the best horse. But that's not a reason not to take a horse down for causing severe interference to a horse who was running at the time. And watching the replay, War of Will was running. He may have hit the board the way he was finishing. The other horse, the horse who was placed behind, who took up sharp, who was going nowhere, uh, that was a long-range toddy. Uh, uh-huh. He was not going anywhere when he took up. But by the rule, because he took up and War of Will came in his path, which was initially started by maximum security, they made the right call and taken him down. Now, they handled it very poorly because they should have put the inquiry up initially. This, I'm thinking of Stewart should not have waited for Jock to claim it. But instead of taking down the winner, obviously there was severe interference, and it's your job to see that. So they should have put it up initially. And it's just as bad to me that they should have had all five numbers blinking on the board because anyone who saw what happened knew if they did indeed take the horse down, he's not going behind the second horse. He's going behind the 17th horse, behind Orwell, behind Long Range Toddy. So it was not handled very well. The final decision, in my opinion, was the correct one. So what do you tell the average fan out there who is still complaining, saying it's fixed and this and that and it's typical racing? What are you telling them, besides your perfect explanation of right now, if you had everybody in one room to say, you guys need to understand this? Yeah, I would try to explain it in the way I explained it. The problem, one of the problems with our game, Ted, and you know this, it's, it's a very complicated game. It's yep. not an easy game to learn. It's not an easy game to handicap. It takes a long time to get a grasp of really, truly all that's going on out there. And, uh, you know, anyone who knows racing, I mean, you can disagree with the call. I wouldn't say it was a cinch to come down. Uh, You know, like I said at first, I thought, well, I think maybe I'd leave it. And then I reconsidered. To me, that tells you it's kind of a tough call. And, again, I can watch races and have a financial interest and still be objective. You're in the game this long, you better be able to. (laughs) It's not going to last in this game. Exactly. you know, I think that the, the bad part of the general public to me was not flashing all five numbers because I know that led to confusion. Why is he finished first? Is he being put 17th? Why isn't he put in second? You know, and that's you have to explain that to people. The ones you think it's sixth, I, I can't explain. There's nothing I can say. I mean, I that's just not educated and not understanding how to watch a sport. Uh, yeah. So, to me, there's no hope to sell the game to people who think like that. But we could do a better job of explaining what went on that day, especially leading up to this qualification. The fact that it took long, I have no problem with. I thought it was a fairly tough decision, and it should take a little bit longer. There are many races on an everyday basis where it's a very easy decision, and it's done in two, three minutes because it's obvious what happened, and if the stewards are competent, they're going to make the change quickly. So, you know, I don't have trouble with the time it took. I have trouble with the fact they didn't put it up originally. And also, they didn't fly the numbers so people could really kind of understand what was going on and what, what the decision-making process was. And, Kurt Hoover, how do you explain the fact that, in general, if it was a Tuesday race six or whatever, not the Kentucky Derby, that it did take this long, A, and B, the fact that the stewards didn't see it originally, does that bother you? Or was this something that, because uh, uh, even us trained eyes that have watched many races didn't see what the truth was until we saw that one angle? Somewhere in the middle, Ted. I'm going to be completely honest with you. The fact that the stewards didn't put it up to me made me think, they're seeing if anybody claims foul, and if they don't, they might not do anything. Huh. I know you hear all the time every game and every race should be officiated the same, but they're not. Whether it's a, a NBA playoff game or a Stanley Cup game or a Kentucky Derby, 
it's human nature when you know how much is on the line and what it's going to cost the parties involved. So I think if this was a Wednesday in January in a $10,000 cutting race, it yeah. wouldn't have taken 22 minutes. Yes. But I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing. I mean, it was a very important decision and a lot of things, you know, hinged on it. So I don't have a trouble with the extra time. I do with them not posting it initially and with not splashing all five numbers. And again, the tough part of the whole deal is the best horse did win the race. Maximum security, if they ran that race 100 times, would win 99. Nobody right. was going by him. The runner-up was not affected at all. I believe his rider, Flavian Pratt, and he's what's entitled to do this in our sport. I think he was taking a shot while playing foul, see maybe what happens, because he was not interfered with, and he was never going to go by uh, maximum security at any point. So, But again, that's you know you take a shot. I, I likened it to Draymond Green flopping in a game with the Warriors, putting the onus <laughs> on the ref to make a call. I mean, he's, you know, make a call as a charger block. Yeah. Maybe they'll make a mistake and call it the other way. It's sports. It's not nursery school out there. You know, these are high-stakes games, races, and athletes are going to take a shot. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, you know, they didn't just call for orders because he interfered with country. They just called for because he interfered with war of will. That, that's why he was disqualified. And by the way, you bring up so many great points, Kurt. But the one thing that stands out to me, though, is the fact that the stewards did not come out and answer questions. Right. That bothered me greatly. Transparency is more important now than it was 30 years ago. And it's, what's going on? In the video age, where everyone has access to film and everything, they should have answered questions after they read the prepared statement. I'm in 100% agreement. Uh, but our sport is so behind in so many things. And that old school mentality of, well, we don't have to talk to anybody, that's a decision. In this day and age, as you know, it's, it's not going to hold up. The other argument I heard, well, you know, it, 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 it didn't affect race where it happened. You can't call that to decide a big race. To me, that's nonsense. Uh, I'm a huge college basketball fan, next to horse racing, from my favorite sport. And it's not the same thing, but I kind of like it to the Virginia-Auburn game in Elite Eight. The guy got fouled with two seconds left. Uh -huh. He got fouled. I, I, it doesn't matter whether that was at the end of the game or in the first five minutes. He got fouled and was awarded three free throws. Maybe Auburn was the better team that night. I'm not sure. But the argument, well, you can't call a foul in that situation. Well, then there's no point to having referees. Absolutely. Officials, right? Totally agree. That was a foul. And I, I played basketball for many years. I watched a ton of it. Even if I had that on the other team or I had a rooting interest, it was a foul. That's it. And... I think that's the point in the Kentucky Derby when, well, it didn't happen, you know, it was a big race. It's Well, it does, it should not matter. It was a foul, or will almost went down, and to me, they made a difficult, correct decision. The most amazing thing to me is it's 145 runnings of the Derby, and this has never happened before. That's a miracle. Yeah, the only DQ was after the race. In exactly. It was a medication violation. Um and if you look back, the other thing about this race, especially the last six, seven years, there's been horses winning off by lengths. There's no close race to California Chrome, Justify, or these horses all were just gone, turning for home. Uh, so, and, and, and it wasn't the rider's fault either, Luis Saez. The horse shifted his ground. He had done an amazing job of getting them back to the right lead as quick as he did, or it could have been worse. So, uh, no fault to the rider, no fault to the horse. It just happened. And it's a tough break, and especially to who won the race before being DQ'd. And then it's cliche, but like many cliches, it's true. That's usually once-in-a-lifetime chance to do something like that and have it taken away when you have the best horses tough. But that being said, it was the right call. You know, the ultimate cliche, Kurt, for all of this is that's horse racing. <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's sports. I mean, exactly. I, I also mentioned, hey, the Twin Saints. Got, you know, uh, ripped out of the yep. Super Bowl, and that was a bad call. That was a bad non-call, but that is also part of sports. To me, we've gone way too far the other way. When I watch basketball now, or football, the three plays drive me crazy, because 95% of the time, referees and officials at that level are going to get it right. That's why they're at that level. And the timers that they don't, as anyone who's played any sport knows, it's going to be evened out whether by chance or there's a makeup call. That's part of sports. So, exactly. You know, but in horse racing, and our video review is tough, too, because the cameras are different points of the track, and you can't really get good views at certain points on the turn and certain parts of the track. That's to be addressed in this day of video 
and high-tech video, that shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> As with a lot of things in this sport I love, there's a lot of things that go back, archaic ways of doing things that just don't change. So at least I said this, Ted, I said most people say, you know, it, it hurts racing and it's a black sign, blah, blah, blah. Hey, no horse got hurt, no rider got hurt, and once our sports page one for the next week. <laughs> when on a normal derby, would have been right back to the back of the sports and nobody would have talked about it. Totally agree with you. By the way, did you see the ratings? It was amazingly strong ratings. Very, very strong ratings. Uh, besides the incident, it was a very good race, and it's still a great sport. It's a hard sell, uh, but once you understand the sport and appreciate all that goes into it, it, it's, it is a great sport. A couple more things, and we'll get to that in just a sure. second. But I did talk to Ron Turcotte uh, on Sunday, the day after the race. I thought, he's the guy I want to speak with. He's the man who's been in a wheelchair his whole life right. because of something very similar to that, which he described to a point, and he said it absolutely had to be a DQ under these mm-hmm. circumstances. Uh, people don't get it that they, it's only their money on the line, but we can never forget about the, the actual jockey's life. No question about that. We had Ken DeSormo on our set on Sunday, Hall of Fame rider. Ken DeSormo, multiple derby winner, one of the greatest riders ever yep. to the saddle. And he said pretty much the same thing. He said the horse had to come down. He said, And he said it was not Louis Sides' fault, but the horse had to come down. And I guess the other thing that stuck is irritating me a little bit. And look, I gamble as much as anybody. I got on horses every day. So I understand getting DQ'd and losing money in a bet. But to equate gambling in a bet with a person's life, which could have happened in that situation, and horses' lives, uh, it's it just it's insanity. You know, because you lost a bet, I don't want to hear that. You know, if exactly. a rider goes down, as you mentioned, Ron Turcotte's paralyzed. There's numerous riders who are paralyzed who have been killed in races. So the safety of the rider and then the animal second is important. And like I said, fortunately, everyone stayed on their feet because that could have been a whole hell of a lot worse. And Ron's uh, analysis was great, I thought, because he said that as the horses turned towards the stretch and they start to hear the noise of the crowd, and, of course, that crowd's got to be ridiculously loud, Mm -hmm. specifically for a horse. In his words, it spooked the horse. That's what he saw. Yeah, and horses are at that point switching leads. They're trying to level off. Horses are coming from the outside. It's a rodeo. I mean, like I said, it's not a picnic out there. It's a horse race, and things sometimes happen, but if you let that happen too often, you're going to have a bad accident. You're going to have something happen. So the Kentucky Derby is the only time in this country we run 20 horses in a race. So a lot of times, because that becomes a rough race, and if you have some probably don't belong, who are too slow and get in the way first we're starting to run. So you still have traffic trouble. That's inherent in our sport. But you can't have a horse almost going down because the horse takes its path. And I think that was the utmost concern in this Stewart's final decision, which, again, I have to emphasize, I think, was the correct decision. Okay, now I'm going to really put you on the spot, Kurt Hoover. Immediately, I get to go, poof, you are the commissioner of horse racing. What are the mm-hmm. first few things you're going to do? You're a commissioner. I mean, that's, that's number one, which we don't have. You know, there is not a national voice. Every track, every state operates under their own selfish best interest, and uh-huh. each jurisdiction has different rules. Here's the other part I brought up, that the people who don't really understand horse racing. When you're watching the Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Finals, or Major League Baseball, the rules are the same in every arena and or stadium, whether it's in St. Louis or San Jose or Philadelphia or Toronto. The rules are the same for that sport. Not so in thoroughbred racing. The stewards in Kentucky might have a different view than the stewards in California do or the stewards in New York. There is no set rules for the sport, and that a lot of times leads to confusion and problems with decisions. But to try to unify this sport because of all the self-interest, because of all the money involved and all the territorial deals, I don't know if it can be done. So that would be step one, to put somebody in charge who has the power to make these decisions. So that's number one, and then let a competent person who understands the sport, you know, set some guidelines. To me, it's always amazing, Ted, because this sport has survived for so long and done fairly well, and a lot of times it's been run very poorly all over the country, and it somehow, in spite of itself, manages to keep going pretty well, and the people who are into it are very passionate fans. By the way, I think the reason it does well over the long haul is because it's such a damn good sport. That's the right. reason. That's it. Yeah. That, there's nothing else to that. If it wasn't a good sport, I've been gone a long time ago because it has not been run all that well many times over the years. It's just kind of got through because people enjoy it and like betting on horses. 
Exactly. And uh, as Gary Stevens told me, he said, you know, the rules are different in Europe as they are here, and then they're yes. different in too many states here. If we could just somehow get that all into one category, everything would be at least improved to a point. No question about it. Good luck with that. <laughs> but it would be nice if it happened because the rules are different in Japan, they're different in South America, they're different in England, and they're different here. It's, it's sport just kind of piecemeals itself around the world. And it's, and it's a great sport in all those locales or it wouldn't be going. Exactly. But you got to be impressed with the fact that the viewership of this race, with all the issues, with a giant cloud over the game, I think it's just phenomenal. Well, I've... I've said this many times, but I've been doing this now for 30 years, give or take. You must be form. exhausted. Uh, in a way, <laughs> yeah, but also I, I rarely worked a day in my life. <laughs> you know, you're a business you love, and I always bring this up. You know, I, I worked at Hollywood Park for many years, Anthony, Los Alamitos. I've worked around the country track. I have never brought somebody out to the racetrack who came out and maybe was a first-time visitor or hadn't been out much. Not one person at the end of the day had said, oh, that was boring. I don't ever want to come back. I didn't like that. To a hundred percent, it's, when are you guys racing again? Can I come out again? That was really fun. Uh, we've just done a less than good effort of exposing our sport and getting people to the racetrack. But I guarantee you, once you get out and see the sport and have a day out, you will come back. I've talked with the powers that be a few times. A couple of times I've said, you know what? You need to get, like, a row of buses. Take them to whatever school, high school, it would be a, probably about the best level, in this case, uh, or certainly junior college, and just say, yeah. we're loading up buses and we're taking everybody. It's a free day at the track. No, because I, I, that's when you create fans. Uh, yep. And again, it's an intelligent gamble. Uh, it, it takes work. It takes time. It takes effort. The problem in this day and age with the technology and the fast world, a lot of people don't want to do that. They so it can be a hard sell. You know, my generation is a different generation. I've been doing it a long time. It's hard to get people younger into the sport, but I said I've never invited someone to the track who didn't like it, ever. Absolutely. That's a great way to wrap up this thing. Kurt, I appreciate the time. Outstanding analysis. As I expected uh, from you. <laughs> enjoyed it very much, Ted. Again, anytime I can talk about this sport, uh, I love doing it because it's been my whole life, and uh, I've enjoyed every minute of the ride. See you at the track, sir. I'll see you at the track, Ted. I hope you enjoyed listening to and hopefully getting some clarity from my three guests talking about the controversial 145th running of the Kentucky Derby. Hall of Fame jockey Ron Turcotte, track announcer Michael Rona, and TVG racing analyst Kurt Hoover. And if that threesome didn't answer any of your questions about this past Saturday's race, I'm not sure what else to ask. Thanks again for listening to Touching Greatness here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am still Ted Sobel, and I hope you'll join us again next week when I preview the PGA Championship. Championship right here on Touching Greatness. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.